Today's message is entitled, I Surrender. I Surrender. We're continuing on in our To Boldly Go series, trying to discover what Jesus said about many, many things. And this morning, the question that we're trying to ask is what, or trying to answer, excuse me, the question we're trying to answer is what does it look like to live a surrendered and obedient life for Jesus Christ? What does it look like to live a a surrendered and obedient life for Jesus Christ. All right, so the first thing we got to do is we got to define surrender. So everyone put your hands up. Put your hands up. Okay, ready? It's a real complicated definition. Say, I give up! up. Very good. You guys are smart. You guys know what surrender means. It means I give up. I give it all up. When you think of surrender, you think of kind of a military term, don't you? You think about somebody in the midst of their enemies and they raise up their hand and say, I give up. Right? Well, that's one way you can look at surrender. But surrender in the military is also another, another way to, uh, to, to, uh, that you can hear surrender in the military is this. It's when somebody goes and actually becomes a soldier, and they surrender themselves to the United States government and say, I give up. I'm yours. Everything about me is yours. So said soldier goes off into boot camp. And he's no longer his own, but he is now voluntarily surrendered to the U.S. Army. And now, he goes to sleep, not when he wants to, but when his drill sergeant tells him to. He eats when his drill sergeant tells him to. He drops and gives 50 push-ups when his drill sergeant tells him to. He runs until until he pukes when his drill sergeant tells him to, right? He no longer belongs to himself, but he has volunteered himself to belong to the United States Army. And eventually... They're going to tell him where he goes. He may go to combat in Afghanistan, or he may end up going to an office in Kansas. He doesn't know, but all he knows is that he doesn't have a choice in the matter any longer because he has surrendered himself to the United States Army. And so the question that we're trying to answer, okay, if that's what surrender is, if surrender is, I give up, what does it look like for us to say, I give up to the Lord Jesus Christ? What has he called us to do, and what was the example that Jesus gave? Well, we're going to open the Word this morning, and we're going to see it, but won't you join with me in prayer as we ask the Holy Spirit to teach us through His Word. Father, we thank You so much uh, for giving us the opportunity to open up Your Word. We thank You, Lord, that You've given us Your Holy Spirit, and we pray right now, Lord, that You would open up our hearts, that You would open up our eyes, that You would open up our ears to hear what You have to say to us, to see what You have to say to us, and to believe what You have to say to us. Father, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, John chapter 30. Go ahead and open up to John chapter 30. And while you're turning there, uh, I need to tell you that this morning's sermon is going to be a little bit different than we're used to here at Harvest. Usually Pastor Ryan or myself will uh, open up the Bible to a certain section of Scripture and we'll be in there for the, uh, for the whole service. Uh, and we're just going to look at exactly at what Jesus said or what the Lord said about one thing and one, and one passage. But Jesus had a lot to say about surrender. He had a lot to say about what it means to give your life up for him. And so we're going to do what's called a topical message this morning. So uh, I need everyone to uh, take your fingers and just stretch them out. Stretch them out like this. Because we're going to be fingering through the Bible for a lot this morning. We're going, to be, we're going to be turning some pages. So we're going to spend some time in a lot of areas in the Gospel of John. So just be ready to, to turn in your Bibles. So John chapter 5 verse 30. Did I say John 30? Well, there is no John 30, my friends. I think that would edge into Revelation somewhere. 
My bad. Man, that was, I thought the power went out or something. John chapter 5, verse 30. Okay. And here's what Jesus says. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. So we're jumping into this passage right in the middle of, of, of an argument. I just want to briefly tell you what was going on here. Um, the religious leaders of Jesus' day were accusing him of blasphemy. Jesus had just uh, healed a man on the Sabbath, and they're saying, whoa, 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 whoa. If you were from God, there's no way that you would actually heal on the Sabbath. You're a Sabbath breaker. And Jesus, in this long argument in John chapter 5, he says, no, 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 no. I'm not a Sabbath breaker. I'm actually sent from God. And let me tell you something. I do what only God does and I judge. Jesus claimed to be God right here when he said, I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will but the will of him who sent me. So when they heard this, they heard Jesus saying, I'm going to judge the living and the dead. You thought it was God all along and I am he that's going to be doing this. And so he backs it up by saying, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And so what Jesus is saying here is that he's saying that I don't do anything on my own. I don't make my own decisions. I don't make my own plans. What it is that the Father tells me to do, because I am from the Father, I go and do. So Jesus voluntarily surrendered his own will in His humanly flesh, so that He can only do exactly what the Father told Him to do. So what, what does it mean when Jesus says, I seek not my own will? Or what's a will? Well, the will described in the Scriptures is simply this. It's what you want or what you desire. Your will is what you want or what you desire. So Jesus is saying, I'm not seeking what I want. I'm not seeking what, what I desire. I'm seeking what the Father wants. I'm seeking what the Father desires. I am surrendering my will to Him. Now, everybody has a will, okay? Each of us are born with one. And each of, each of us are born with a very self-focused will. That, that, that's how we differ from Jesus. Okay, Jesus did not have a sinful will. We have a sinful will. So, we're, we're all born with a self-focused will. And self-focus isn't necessarily all, all the time bad. So, uh, we make decisions that are going to maximally benefit us all the time, right? If we desire to be well-fed, then we're going to go to the store. And we're going to buy some good food. And we're going to make sure that we're well-fed. If, we're, if we want to be safe, we're going to make decisions that are going to lead to our safety. Right? All of us want what's best for our family. All of us want what's best for ourselves. And so, in our nature, we go and we pursue those things. That's our will. That's our desire. We go and pursue those things that are going to make our life better. You can think about it like this. Your will is basically your base of operations. Okay? So everything that happens in your will is what's going to come out in your actions. Does that make sense? Everything that you determine your will is going to come out in your actions. So we set our goals, we set our will, we see our desires, and we measure our success in life by how close we come or how, how far short we fall to obtaining those things. And so what is it that we can learn from Jesus when He says, I've come not to do my own will, not to seek my own will, but to seek the will of the Father. Jesus refused to act independently of the Father while He was on earth for us and for our sake. 
His actions and the Father's were, uh, they were a mirror image of each other. And listen to Jesus' words. They're so intentional here. He said, I seek not my own will. The word seek uh, is, is used a number of times in the New Testament, and it, 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 it brings the idea of an intense search. Okay? It brings an idea of an intense search. It's used when uh, people are searching for treasure. Right? In parables where, where people are, are digging for treasure and they find treasure, that's the type of seeking it's talking about. The parable where the woman has ten coins and she loses one of them, and then she turns the house upside down, looks inside of every pot, looks inside of every kid's you know, drawers and inside of every kid's ears and everywhere else. Okay, do you have it? Do you have it? Do you have it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where, is it? Where did I put that coin? It's an intense search. You guys understand? And it's also used when Mary is searching for Jesus, when she's seeking out Jesus. <gasps> Where's Jesus? I'm at his tomb. Where is he? I can't find him. He's somewhere. He was here before, and now he's not here. And she's seeking, 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 seeking. Intense, intense, intense. Does that make sense? It's an intense search. And so Jesus says, I seek not, or, or I intensely search not for my own will, but I intensely search and seek the Father's will. In Jesus' humanity, He is surrendering His own will and seeking out the Father's will. He's denying Himself and surrendering Himself, saying, I give up, I'm going to pursue fully after you. He's going to do exactly what the Father tells Him to do. And so Jesus, if we're going to follow after His example, well, this is what we're going to do. And so you might be looking at me thinking, hold on a minute, time out, time out, time out. Jesus is perfect, okay? So you already said it, Jesus is God, um, and, and he's doing the will of God, so it's not really hard to do the will of yourself, okay? So you're, you're looking at me thinking that, and you're thinking, well, you already said that I'm sinful, and you already said that, I, I, my, that my will is corrupt, and you're, you're telling me that I, I need to, to let that go just like Jesus did. Well, Brandon, it's not that easy, It's not that easy. Well, it wasn't that easy for Jesus either. Uh, Turn back in your Bibles to Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to look here at at, at the night that Jesus was going to be handed over to the Romans to be crucified and killed for our sins. The night that he was going to be betrayed. And it's in this passage that we see Jesus in his most human form, in his most human sense. And in, in the most sense that we're going to see Jesus as our brother, we see it here. So take a look, Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. It says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is very, very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus is calling us to surrender our wills to Him. He's calling us to surrender our will to Him. He says this on the night that He was crucified. 
He came to earth knowing that he was going to die, knowing that he was going to be put on the cross for our sins, knowing that he was going to be handed over to the Romans for the purpose of taking the penalty of our sins on himself. And knowing that he came here to this earth to fulfill that very purpose, Jesus says to the Father, if there is any other way, if it's possible in any other way to let this cup pass from me, let it be so. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus is in the midst of suffering. He's in the midst of agony. He's in the midst of pain. And Jesus' flesh is crying out, saying, I don't want this! I don't want this. I I can't take this. I can't take the wrath of God for the sins of all mankind to come upon me right now. I can't take it. God, I don't want this. Father, take this away from me. But not what I will. What you will. I give up. I surrender. R.C. Sproul says it like this. Paraphrases Jesus by saying, Father, with every fiber of my being, I shrink away from that cup. I do not want to drink it, but there is one thing that would be even worse. And that would be to fail to do the thing that you have sent me here to do, to do your will. If it is your will that I drink this cup, if there is no other way to do it, then give me the cup and I will drink it to the last drop. You see, Jesus as our brother is showing us what it looks like to surrender our wills to the Lord. He's showing us that it takes falling on your knees before Him and humbly crying out and saying, God, this is too much for me. I can't take it. But not my will, your will. Another writer said this, one of the profoundest mysteries of the incarnation is that the mighty God descended from highest heaven and took upon him the nature of the creature and came down here to show us how to wear it. And that which differentiated the life of Christ from all other lives was his absolute joyous submission to the Father's will. Okay. So now we see it. We see that Jesus did it. We see that Jesus suffered in the same way that we suffer. Take, take a look at the screen, Mark chapter 3, verse 35. And Jesus also said this. He said, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. And so Jesus is calling us to be like him, to surrender our will. Okay, so, so we got there. So what does it look like? How do I know if I'm surrendering my will? How do I know if, I, if I'm holding on to it too tight? Well, here's four ways to know if you're surrendering your will to the Lord. You know you're surrendering to your will to the Lord if you are content with where you live. You know you're surrendering your, way, your will to the Lord if you are content with where you live. God has put you where you are for a purpose. He's given you the neighbors that He's given you for a purpose. He's allowing your back to be broken with the shoveling of all the snow in Chicago for a purpose. And so if you're sitting there this morning thinking, God, why did you put me here? Why am I here and not there? I don't want to be here anymore. I'm not content with where you put me. Well, you're saying my will, not your will. And have you ever considered this? Have you ever considered that perhaps God has put you where you are because the neighbors that you have have never heard the gospel and if you don't tell them, no one else will ever tell them. 
You see that? When you stop looking at yourself and you start looking at what God has said, when you start repeating after Jesus, not my will, but your will, you start to see things the way that God has designed, designed them to be seen. So you don't consider when, 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 you're, when you are trying to elevate yourself over God's, you're not seeing things the way that God wants them to be seen. Or how about this? Are you content with how much you make? Are you content with how much money you have? Are you, do, do, do you ask God, do you ask God, God, what, why have you put me in this spot? Why have you put me here? How come I don't have what everybody else has? I'm working hard. I'm doing what I can. I'm doing all that I can. I'm doing my best for you. God, why haven't you given me more? Well, if you are not content with what God has given you, then your heart is not surrendered to Him. Have you ever considered this? Have you ever considered that perhaps money is an idol to you? And that God is trying to break it from you? Have you considered that perhaps you are putting your faith in the things that you do instead of what God has done? Have you considered that perhaps you're putting your faith in your stuff more than your faith in the provider of your stuff? And have you considered that God is trying to break that from you? So if you are not content with what God has given you, then you are not surrendered to Him. Your will is not surrendered to Him. Or how about your health? You know that you're surrendered to the Lord if you're content with the health that God has given to you. Right? You might be sitting here asking God, God, why am I not as well as others? Why am I not able to do the same thing as others? How come I can't function the same way that other people function? God, what do you have against me? Well, have you considered that perhaps God is trying to teach you that He wants to be strong in your weakness? Have you considered that perhaps God is trying to show you how to be comforted by Him so that you can go and comfort others? If you're not content with the help that God has given you, you have not surrendered that part of your will to His life. You're trying to elevate your will over God's will. Saying, God, I know better with money. I know better with health. I know better with where I live. I know better with all of this than you. Why have you not done it for me? You're saying, my will, not your will. And, and, and uh, one last thing is this. You know that you are uh, some, surrendering your will to the Lord if you're content with what God has gifted you with. If you're content with what God has gifted you with. If you look across or you look up here on Sunday mornings and you see, uh, you see the band playing, you're just like, oh man, I could do so much better than those guys. I could sing so much better. I could play so much better. But God, all you've given me to do is to scrub coffee pots. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do something where people can see me. Well, don't you know that you are uniquely gifted to bring glory to Him in this church and in this world in a way that nobody else is. And do you not, have you not considered that God has equipped you and gifted you in a certain way so that you can go out and accomplish His purposes? Or are you still saying, God, my will, not your will? And we can go on and on with this for a long time and list off so many things. But what I want you to think about is our, whose will are you submitted to? Have you surrendered your will to Him or are you holding tightly to it? So how do we know that we live a surrendered and obedient life? Well, first of all, we surrender our will to the Lord. And the second flows right from it. It's this. You can write this in your notes. I must surrender every action to Jesus. I must surrender my every action 
to Jesus. Turn back to the book of John, chapter 14. Jesus came and he perfectly fulfilled the law of God. What we could not fulfill, Jesus did. Every command that God gave that was on our shoulders to fulfill, Jesus fulfilled on our behalf. And so when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, that righteousness is given to us. And so as Christians who have been saved and are followers of Jesus Christ, He commands us to submit and surrender every action to Him. Look at John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Pretty simple task, right? Each and every one of us that call ourselves Christians are saying that we love Jesus Christ. And Jesus is simply saying here, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will surrender your every action to me. Skip ahead to verse 23. And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So there again, Jesus is telling us that he's been sent by the Father. And he's been sent by the Father to teach us how to go and obey his word. And if we are his, we're going to go. We're going to surrender every single action to him. And one more, uh, just skip ahead to uh, chapter 15, verse 10. Jesus says this, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in His love. Okay, so again, if we are going to call ourselves Christ followers, we ought to be obedient. And obedient not just in small things, not just in big things, but in everything. So you might be sitting there thinking, okay, well, Brandon, I go to church, and I tithe, so I worship, and uh, I'm in a small group, so I, I'm walking, and I, I read the Bible by myself, so I, I'm also walking there, and I'm in a ministry team. I'm working for Christ. So, you know, I'm an obedient follower of Jesus Christ. Well, amen. That's what the Bible calls a disciple, right? And we're glad that you're following along with what Jesus calls. But you've got to understand that in obedience, there's two things. There's public obedience and there's private obedience. Okay? The public obedience is what everybody sees. You're looking nice on Sunday morning. You're saying the right things on Sunday morning. You're doing the right things on Sunday morning. You're doing the tasks that are given to you on Sunday morning. And all your brothers and sisters see you. And even out in the community, people know that you go to harvest. And you have a good testimony before them. So publicly, you're living that obedient life. But what about privately? What about in the small things? What about in the sins that Jerry Bridges calls respectable sins? Those things that we just kind of let sit around and and we let fester in our hearts, that we let kind of grab hold of us and nobody knows about it, only Jesus sees it. And I get on my knees and repent before the Lord and, uh, and then I go and do it again and then I get on my knees and repent before the Lord. Right, public obedience and private obedience. How are you doing in your private obedience to the Lord? Are you following what Jesus says? If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. For example, how's your patience? How's your patience? Are you patient on the road? Chicagans? 
Are you patient with your kids? Are you patient with your wife? Are you patient with your husband? Those little things, those little snaps here and there. Are you patient with your mom and dad? Those little things where you snap. How are you doing in that? Have you surrendered your every action and your patience to Jesus? Well, how about complaining? How about complaining? Have you surrendered your every action when it comes to your thankfulness or your complaints to Jesus? Are you known as a complainer? How about gossip? Have you learned to control your mouth? And have you surrendered your mouth and every action and every word that comes out of your mouth? Have you surrendered that to Jesus? How about self-control? Have you surrendered your body to Jesus? Have you surrendered every single action that comes out of your body to Jesus? Men, have you surrendered every look that comes out of your eyes to Jesus? Have you surrendered your your desire to eat more than you should? The gluttony of our hearts. Have you surrendered that to Jesus? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And that is each and every one of his commandments. Now we got to understand that we still are sinners. And that this act of surrendering not only our wills, but also our actions to Jesus is a hard, long walk, isn't it? It's a hard, long walk because our flesh just loves to crawl at us and creep at us and scratch at us and say, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. But look again at John chapter 15. We read verse 10. And look what verse 11 says. It says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Brothers and sisters, listen. The flesh is going to lie to you, and the flesh is going to tell you that if you surrender yourself to the flesh, you're going to be much more happy than you are if you surrender yourself to Christ. But the momentary delight that sin brings about, the momentary surge of endorphins and that surge of adrenaline that, that feeding your flesh brings you, pales in comparison to the pure, straight joy that comes along when we surrender our actions to Jesus Christ. When we say no to the flesh and we say, I give up, Jesus, I'm going to follow you and do what you have commanded. It's in those moments of weakness where our flesh is crying out so bad that we've got to fall to our knees wherever we are. Say, God, I surrender this desire to you. I surrender what I want to do to you so that I can do what you've commanded me to do. I surrender. I give up. Our hands ought to be bloody with with the fight that comes with fighting our sin. And we have a brother who's gone through it with us. It says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus has been through each and every temptation that you have been through. And he has fought through it. And he is with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And he is waiting for you to seek him out and ask him for his strength and ask him to help you in those moments of weakness so that you can be like him and surrender yourself to him. So for surrendering our will to Jesus then we're going to be surrendering our actions to Jesus. 
And finally, we're going to skip over to point four. I apologize for the confusion there. But if we're surrendering our will and our actions to Jesus, then finally, we must surrender our purpose to Jesus. I must surrender my purpose to Jesus. Turn a few page over, pages over to John chapter 20. Verse 19. And this happens um, the day after the, or this happens after the resurrection, and the disciples are hiding because they're afraid. So John chapter 20, verse 19, here's what it says. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. One of the themes that, that, we, that we picked up on as we read through those verses in John is that Jesus said numerous times, I doing the one of the, I'm doing the will of the one who sent me, the one who sent me, the one who sent me. I do what I've, been, what, what I've been sent to do. Jesus was sent by the Father to do this, to point to the Lord and to bring glory to him, showing mankind the way to get to the Father. That's what Jesus did. His purpose was to point to the Father. God sent him, Jesus pointed up. And so Jesus, with the same exact words that he used about the Father sending him, Jesus says this. He says, Just as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And so we must surrender not only our will, not only our action, but our purpose to Him. We all plan out our lives, right? And that's good. The book of Proverbs is clear that you're a fool if you don't have a plan, okay? We plan out our lives and, and, and we know, you know how many kids we want to have. We know what kind of job we want to have. We know when we want to retire. We know what college we want to go to. We know all, all these things we, we plan out. And all those things, if you're being a, a surrendering, obedient Christian, you are putting in the Lord's hands and saying, God, you can take anything at any time or put in anything at any time. I'm completely and wholly surrendered to you. I hold my plans like this in an open, with, with, with open hands. But in those plans that we make, God has a specific purpose for you. No matter where you are, if you're a mom at the park, if you're a dad trying to raise your kids, if you're a neighbor that just grills great steaks, if you've been at the same career for 35 years, if you're in middle school, if you're in high school, no matter where you are, no matter what your plans are and your purposes are, God has a single purpose for you. And it's this, 
Just as the Father sent Jesus to this earth to point to Him, Jesus is sending you into the world to point to Him. And as you live out that surrendered life, in your will and in your actions, His purpose is going to be made clear. The bottom line is this, that your life is not your own. As a soldier is sent to war by his commanding officer, so Jesus has sent you in the power of his Holy Spirit to proclaim his gospel. And he's sending you out, and it's going to start. You don't have to be a pastor to be somebody who's pointing people to Jesus. Jesus spoke this to his disciples, and his disciples took it, and they went, and all of them, except for the, for the Apostle John, died for the proclamation of the gospel. No matter where they were, they preached the gospel. And they went and they taught their disciples to go, and no matter where they are, to preach the gospel. And Jesus is calling you right now to go and to preach the gospel. Starting in your home, spilling out to your neighbors, going down the street, going into your towns, and through all the world, go and preach the gospel. As God has sent Jesus Christ, so He is sending you. And my question is, are you surrendered to that purpose? Are you surrendered to that? Have you fallen on your knees and said, Lord, I am your vessel to do with whatever you please. Use me to make you famous. Use me to tell others about who you are. Use me to bring many to faith in Jesus Christ as I live a surrendered life and I point to Him. Well, there's a few different types of people in, this, in the room this morning. The first type of people is a, is a group of people who has never surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in that group. Maybe you're thinking, wait a minute, surrender? I give up. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm supposed to live for me. I'm, it's, all, it's all supposed to be about me, isn't it? Well, no, it's not. Absolutely not. Jesus came to save you from yourself. Okay? We were all born in sin. We're all born in darkness. We're all born pursuing everything else but the will of God. And so Jesus came and He died on the cross and He rose from the grave and He says, if you put your faith in Me, you will be saved. And that's the first step of surrender. And maybe you're here this morning, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And I urge you this morning to surrender yourself and give yourself over to Him. Seek forgiveness of your sins and begin to follow Him this day. And there's another group of people in here that you have surrendered your life over to Jesus Christ at some point. And you have uh, prayed that prayer of salvation. And you are a brother, you are a sister. But there's areas in your life, there's areas of your will that you're just holding on to too tightly and you don't want to let go of them. There's areas in your private life where you're not surrendering your actions to Jesus and you're not following along with Him where He says, if you, if you call yourself my disciple, you're going to obey. Maybe there's areas in your private life that are just repulsive to the Lord Jesus Christ and you know what those areas are. And so does Jesus. And He's calling you this morning to repent of those things. Or perhaps you're, um, maybe you, you have surrendered yourself, you've, you've surrendered your will to Him, you've surrendered your actions to Him, but you haven't quite surrendered that purpose to Him. 
that, that perhaps you are not surrendered to the fact that you are supposed to go out and make his name famous. Well, he has given so much to you. And as the Father has sent him, he is sending you. And so I urge you this morning, if that's you, to to repent this morning and to turn yourself over to Jesus Christ and say, use me to bring your gospel to the ends of the earth, starting in my home and spilling out into the streets, to my family, to my neighbors, to the world. Why don't you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you that you gave us your son, Jesus Christ. Not only to show us the way to go, but Lord, to purchase for us the way to go. We thank you that it's by his blood that we are forgiven. We thank you that you made that way a sure way and a strong way. Father, lift up any of those in here right now that have not placed their faith in you. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would grab a hold of their heart right now, that you would cut them to the heart and that they would turn and repent, confessing their sins to you, confessing Jesus as Lord and committing their life, surrendering their life to you. With your heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if that's you, you can pray along with me this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, thank you that you gave yourself for me. Forgive me of my sins, which are many. I surrender myself to you. I'm going to follow you and you alone. And Father, I pray for those in here this morning that are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that they would be fully surrendered to you in every private way, in every public way, in every action, all of their will, their entire purpose wrapped up in seeking and pursuing Jesus Christ and making his name known. So I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would cut them to the heart, Lord, and bring up the sins that are are, are just festering in, in hearts right now. And brothers and sisters, if that's you, I'm going to take a moment and just be quiet. You can confess those things to the Lord Jesus Christ and his arms of mercy are wide open. Surrender yourself to him. Thank you, Father, that you hear us. We thank you that your son, Jesus Christ, surrendered himself to you so that he can intercede on our behalf. And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name that we